This episode is brought to you by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. There are legends around here. Who died in my G fucking king of the zombies? Even if only in their own minds. <laughs> Forgotten, but not yet dead. I want to play a game. Some have tried to stop them, but they keep coming back. Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. Coming to entertain you. They are the Crystal Lake Soldiers. Welcome back. You are listening to the Crystal Lake Soldiers podcast. My name is Isaiah. I am actually joined this week. Um, we're going to try something different here. I've, I've got my girlfriend, Christy, here, who is actually kind of newer to watching horror movies. And um, we're still talking about the Halloween series, and we're doing our Halloween retrospective series uh, leading up to the release of Halloween Kills, which actually comes out this Thursday night. And so we are, we've covered everything up through the Rob Zombie um, double feature of Halloween from tw- uh, 2007 and Halloween 2 from 2009. And we are going back. And uh, this, what we're talking about t- today is the Halloween sequel from 2018, directed by David Gordon Green, which is a direct sequel to the original Halloween made by John Carpenter. So. How are you doing, Christy? Oh, fine. <laughs> no promises for anybody listening to this, and I wholeheartedly apologize. <laughs> so um, just to kind of get started here before we actually get into talking about the movie, kind of give us a little background of, like, the horror movies you've actually watched before meeting me. Oh, gosh. Um, well, the French group that I hung out with didn't want to watch horror movies, and when we did... Um, it was like scary movie or those, you know, stupid jump scare ones that don't really are more funny than scary. But I remember watching The Conjuring. I've seen, um, oh my gosh, I always forget the name of it, but the guy wears the little like hood on his head that makes no sense for people. That probably is a bajillion ones of these, uh, the part, not partners. We, Strangers. Strangers. There you go. That's that. That's the one. <laughs> um, and then um, Girl on the Train, I think, was the last one that I saw. That was, uh, what's her name? Emily, Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm also terrible with movie names. I've probably seen more. I just don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fine. So needless to say, just to kind of bring that up, um, that you're, you're – you're, Kind of experience and knowledge with horror is a little limited, to say the least. Uh, limited? I would say it's zero. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, so I, I bring that all up because we, we went into Halloween basically fresh with her. So we did start out with the original Halloween and kind of give just kind of a, a, a recap of what you thought of the original Halloween. I thought it was so boring. <laughs> <laughs> I understand the premise of where it came from in the 1970s. And how it was this whole new vibe. And I, I get that. And I understand that deep down. But while I was watching it, I was I got bored. Um, it wasn't enough action for me. But this one, the 2018 one, definitely um, helped. 
with that and actually made it more interesting. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And so we'll, we'll get into that here now. Um, so why don't we go ahead and not waste any more time and let's get right into it and talking about 2018's Halloween. Testing one, two, three. We're on. We're here to investigate a patient that killed three innocent teenagers on Halloween in 1978. He was shot by his own psychiatrist and taken into custody that night. And has spent the last 40 years in captivity. Hello, Michael. I have something you might like to see. Everyone in my family like turns into a nutcase this time of year. Yeah, I mean your grandmother is Lori Strode. She was almost murdered. Wasn't it her brother who murdered all those babysitters? No, it was not her brother. That's something that people made up. Do you know that I pray every night that he would escape? Who the hell did you do that for? So I can kill him. Dad, look out! The bus crashed. Mom, what bus crashed? Michael escaped. Excuse me, somebody's in here. Hello? for this night. He's waited for me. I've waited for him. Get out the wall! Get inside! You don't believe in the boogeyman. He's here! Michael! You should. Can you close the closet door? All right, so Halloween was released on October 19th, 2018. It was directed by David Gordon Green, who um, often works with Danny McBride. They're definitely more comedy-oriented with what they typically do. So this is definitely something that kind of caught people off guard that somebody from kind of the comedy world was coming over to write and direct a Halloween movie, especially with Danny McBride, because everybody knows Danny McBride, and I mean... It's just kind of the whole, yeah, just the whole comedy aspect kind of just threw people a lot with this. So it was very interesting having that duo write this story and then him directing it. Uh, but uh, for cast, obviously, we've got Jamie Lee Curtis, who's returning to the series after Halloween H2O and uh, Halloween Resurrection, which we're, we won't we won't talk about Resurrection anymore because that's the worst movie in this fucking series. But we also have Judy Greer, who's also kind of more more or less in, in a lot more comedy uh, things than 
you would see in like drama or, or horror. But we've also got uh, James Jude Courtney, who is playing the shape in this, or Michael Myers. And then we have Andy Matichek, who is actually, this is her first role, uh, and she was introduced into this m- movie because they wanted to go with uh, somebody that was more lesser known, kind of like what they did with the original Halloween when casting like Jamie Lee Curtis, because that was her first movie. So that was kind of a nice little throwback that they decided to do there. And, um, you know, do somebody that was a little bit more unknown uh, for kind of that main role uh, with all this. And then to kind of round out the cast, we've got Will Patton, who plays a a deputy in in, in this movie. So it was very interesting to see Will Patton in this movie because he's been in so many movies I like, like uh, We Are the uh, Remember the Titans and and different things like that. So uh, having him in this movie was was a great catch, uh, especially just he's a phenomenal actor, number one. So... Um, so the budget for this movie, this, this movie only had a budget of $10 million. Okay. And it went uh, to gross over $255 million worldwide. Isn't it the highest grossing one of all the films or did I read it? it no, it, it is definitely the highest grossing Halloween movie ever by a large margin. But then also, um, on top of that, uh, there was, uh, let me find my note on this as well. It had also the biggest horror movie opening with a female lead, number one. Um, biggest movie opening f- with a female lead over 55. And uh, biggest opening for any Halloween films. And it was also the second biggest horror movie opening ever after It from 2017. That makes sense. And it was also the big, the second biggest October opening ever after Venom. So first venom movie so it's it did very well and in comparison to some of the halloween movies where it only grossed like 35 million dollars total i mean that's that's a lot more money that this fucking movie made so uh it it, it's definitely got it it definitely had a lot going into it just with the return of uh jamie lee curtis in to the role that she became synonymous synonymous with but also you have john carpenter coming back to produce the movie because obviously he directed the original and produced the second movie, uh, and he's he also came back with his son and their composing partner to do the music for the movie, which is a huge thing, too, because it's been a while since he, he's done music for a movie, too, because typically he only does... He would do the music for his own movies, so that was kind of huge for him to come back for that as well. So, yeah, so the kind of the... To recap... For the kind of the different storylines we have going on here, just to kind of see where we where we've came from to where we are currently. So, and I've done this a few times over the last how many ever episodes. So you have the first Halloween movie and Halloween two. The, that was originally supposed to be the end of the Michael Myers storyline, ultimately. Because at the end, both Dr. Loomis and Michael Myers were supposed to perish in the fire that happened at the end of Halloween 2. Okay? So then Halloween 3 happened. We all know that that's a separate storyline altogether. had nothing to do with Michael Myers. So that's its own little thing. Then we come back for Halloween 4, 5, and 6, and that's the Thorn Trilogy, which is continues after Halloween 2, and it's 10 years after the events of that movie. And Michael Myers is in a coma, um, after the, the explosion at the hospital, 
And Loomis is somehow still alive, even though he was in the same fucking blast and somehow is not in a coma or as badly scarred as Michael is, even though he was in the same fucking room. Anyways, so four, five, and six happens. Obviously, six being as abysmal as it was, that ended that storyline because it got too convoluted and too much going on with the story. So we have Halloween H2O that happened that basically ignores everything that four, five, and six set up and just is a direct sequel from Halloween 2. And that brought back Jamie Lee Curtis the first time and saw her basically fake her own death and start a new life in California and raising a son and complete basket case and all that just with everything that happened. Then Michael comes back and finds her. And then we have Halloween Resurrection, which is the the web stream because it was early 2000s, so that was the big thing is, you know, the whole uh, not only the re- reality TV thing was a huge craze at the time, but also, you know, streaming on the web and stuff, so they did the whole Dangertainment um, webcast of, you know, this reality show of all these people trying to explore Michael Myers' house, and he comes back home and kills everybody basically in there, and you've got Busta Rhymes, um, in the movie. And Which makes zero sense to me when you explain that to me the first time. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, okay, we'll just throw this person in there. Yeah. It was kind of at the time, oh, let's see who we can throw in the movie and get some notoriety to get people to see the movie. Yeah. I mean, the best thing that came out of there was him yelling trick-or-treat motherfucker at the end. and I mean, all they could have said was from, from the movie Freaky Friday, because that's where I know Jamie Lee Curtis from initially and you would have gotten a whole generation of millennials to go see this movie but that's just my opinion on that one yeah i mean it could have worked it could have worked um so we had resurrection happen and that obviously was abysmal as well just like part six so they decided not to continue that as well so then we have the remake um double feature that rob zombie did with halloween and he kind of Followed the formula of the first movie, basically, and, and like the second half of the movie basically remade that that movie, but the first half kind of focused on Michael in the in insane asylum in the fifteen years or whatever it was leading up to him escaping, and then Halloween two, his Halloween two, completely went fucking the opposite direction and just was completely weird and fucking different. And I know that's that's hated by a lot of people. And I, I don't hate the movie as much as I used to, like I explained in in that episode. But at the same time, it's just kind of like, what the fuck did you do to this character? I mean, making him look like, number one, like the Phantom of the Opera with his mask like ripped in half and then making him look like a hobo at the same time because he's basically homeless Michael Myers with his huge-ass beard and this long fucking hair. And just dirty and grimy and wearing this nasty ass mask and him talking at the end because Michael Myers doesn't talk, number one. That that fucking still pisses me off that they made him talk at the end of the movie. So but that's that's kind of where that ended. And they were gonna make a sequel off of that, but make it more of a feel like more of like a John Carpenter type Halloween movie. That never happened. And then we got this. 2018's Halloween, um, you know, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride took over. They wanted to simplify it, so they knocked out every other sequel. Nothing is matters other than the original movie, and so 
a lot of the storylines that established in, you know, even the second movie, that's gone. I know that pissed a lot of people off um, with that, but they just wanted to keep it simple. Just a random killer going after random people on Halloween night. And that in itself was scary. And that's what they found scary about it. So they wanted to get back to the basics. So I like that they went that route. I, I know a lot of people st- are still mad that they eliminated a, a lot of the story between Michael and Lori that was established. But I just think it's, I, I do think it's more scary having that this random person is just coming after me that I don't know. So that's where this came into play. And that's where we start off. We start off 40 years later and basically Michael is about to be transferred from Smith's Grove to this new facility that's been set up. And we've got this podcasting team coming in to try to interview Michael and just interview different people that, um, kind of were involved in the 1978 murders. And, and, and we kind of, that's where our story is established because one of the podcasters was able to get from the attorney general's the mask that he wore in the 20, uh, or not 2018, but the 1978 murders. And so he brings that and you can, you can see that Michael senses that the mask is there and that's kind of where we get started here. So just, uh, you know, off of watching, you know, the 78 one and just even from that first scene that we watched in the 2018 one, what, what, what was your kind of thoughts seeing that? Well, in the 2018 one, my first thought was that that looks like the most boring game of Foursquare in my entire life. Because <laughs> um, they're just, they're so spread apart and, you know, they're attached to all the chains and basically a cement block. But um, I think it did a better job of at least kind of introducing the theme of the film. Because I think that was the one thing that bothered me about the original one going into it, not knowing anything about it was, okay, yeah, the kid killed his sister, but... Can we get some more explanation? Why? Other than he's a madman, he's a madman. But this actually showed that he's more than just this random person that kills people. Like he deep, you can see it's deep down within him because it affects everyone around him that he senses that the mask is within feet of Mm. his possession. And it kind of shows, and everybody else reacts to that with him out, with him not reacting, which makes a bigger impact than I think the opening scene of the original one did you know i i'd never even really thought about that just him not reacting and just kind of everybody else reacting around him because of whatever kind of energy is radiating off of him and just kind of whatever energy he's lift letting off it, it, that makes a lot of sense honestly just because he's just like the embodiment of fucking evil and and what was interesting too is while forget the male podcaster's name but he was holding the mask the female like looked back at what's the doctor's name in this one that's not dr sartain Sartain. she looks back at him and he kind of gives her like this reassuring like no it's okay look and i'm you know it's the first time i watched it i'm like well that's interesting like why isn't he having the same reaction as all the other people that are in this scene and he's just standing there like it's an okay thing um you know, and so that was, that to me was interesting. But like the fact that the two podcasts were like, this is, we're freaking out like internally. And you could see that on their faces. And then it's just like, everything else is just silent for him. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And then, you know, obviously we, 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 we end that scene and it, it's, it's big, it, it builds up and it gets pretty chaotic um, to him. Ba- to uh, I think the 
podcaster's name is Aaron, I think, is what his name was. Yeah. I think that's what it was. I could be wrong. I mean, it's so forgettable just because they're they're in there for such a short amount of time. But he's basically yelling just for him to for, for Michael to say something. And then it just cuts to the Halloween theme and um we we, we get probably the coolest opening that Halloween has ever done yeah, with like the pumpkin movie. uh you know, the reverse pumpkin with it, uh basically starting out moldy moldy and just like just totally decayed and then it just grows back into its original glory and it's the same pumpkin from the original movie which i fucking loved with the same cutouts and everything it, it was absolutely perfect basically halloween coming back from the dead in essence is what it was like and i, I like how they did that because they basically filmed that over a few week period with they started out with the pumpkin cut out and everything and then they just had a camera on it and just watched it decay and they just reversed that footage and it, it was fucking effective yeah and i thought it was totally cgi when i saw that and then you said that it was and i was like oh that's cool (laughs) which is so funny how something so basic can seem so cool when we have all this technology it's just like oh it's literally a pumpkin rotting and you put it in reverse cool love it love the basic (laughs) yeah no definitely yeah so one one of the cool things is with this movie is they do a lot of callbacks even though they they eliminated all the story elements from all the other movies other than the first one they do a lot of callbacks to uh you know some of the older movies you have things like um when you see the scene of the kids trick or treating you can see you know one's wearing a skeleton mask a witch mask and a pumpkin mask which is a callback to Halloween 3 with the silver shamrock masks so they're exact replicas of those masks. So that's a nice little callback. You've also got um, a newscaster calling the murders from 1978 as the babysitter murders, which is actually what the original name of the movie was supposed to be before uh, the producer, Erwin Yablons, um, decided he wanted to make the movie centered around Halloween. And so they, that's where the Halloween name ended up coming from. Otherwise, it was just going to be called the babysitter murders, which would have been... Interesting. That sounds like, you know, like the Babysitter's Club. It just sounds like a bad version of that. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So having that producer basically say, like, let's make this centered around Halloween. I mean, that kind of set the stage for everything. Because they basically had kind of the basic script set. And that just kind of pushed it over the edge. And ultimately became what is what we know today. So um, I mentioned how... um, Lori's granddaughter, Allison, was kind of a coveted role and, and and how they wanted to have somebody unknown play the, the role. But you had people like uh, Lucy Hale and Emma Roberts meet with producers to try to get that role before they were like, no, we're going to go with somebody that's unknown to play this time to kind of, kind of trying to play homage to the original movie with how they did that with the cast basically an unknown character for that lead role. So I thought that was kind of a cool little touch that they they did with that. Um, we'd already talked about how it was like the highest grossing Halloween movie of all time. I mean, this, this movie, it came out at such the perfect time, you know, because uh, enough time, I feel like enough time passed where everybody got the bad taste out of their mouths from the Rob Zombie Halloween 2. And just because that... That did not go over well at all. And it, 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 it was just kind of at that point because we hadn't seen anything from, you know, the Friday the 13th franchise since 2009. 
We hadn't seen anything from the Nightmare on Elm Street series since 2010 either. So it was kind of about time that we see something from one of these big franchises again. Because obviously we, we've had other things created. We've had like the Conjuring series come about. We've had the Saw series basically just end and because they did the Jigsaw movie at that point, and that was kind of the end of that. So to have something from a major franchise come back around that time was was perfect. So it was kind of the perfect storm with people wanting more of something that they can relate to when it comes to horror. and Because, uh, I mean, yes, it, it, it's always better if, if they can do something original. It's just with horror, it just seems like, People bitch no matter what you do. So people will bitch when you do something new because it's not something they know, but then they also want stuff that's original too. And it's like you can't please everybody, but um, this this ended up pleasing a majority of people with what they did with this movie. So, Which is so interesting to me because as a person who didn't really watch horror movies, I had no idea this movie even came out. Like I was completely oblivious. I think there was a Marvel movie that came out that same year that I was probably paying more attention to. Um so, you know, hearing all this stuff now after, it's like, I, where was I? Was I under a rock? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, all this stuff happened, and now I'm catching up to it. It's like, oh, I probably would have enjoyed that if I watched it, you know, five, well, actually, no, four years ago, however many years ago it came out now. But mm-hmm. um, so every time I hear, the, like, what, like, all these series and things, I'm like, oh, I missed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So yeah, so it it was it was it came out at the right time, and um, obviously we we've got two other movies coming out now um, with Halloween Kills coming out this week, and then next year Halloween Ends coming out, which is supposed to end this storyline, and supposedly end the storyline between Michael Myers and Laurie Strode. So we'll see because it seems like things get rebooted all the time, and maybe they'll go a different direction finally and do something great with it. Who knows? So um, that remains to be seen. So kind of back to the movie here. So we, we had that establishing shot with him in Smith's Grove and then setting the stage for the kind of the narrative with him being transferred to a new facility. And, you know, this is 40 years later, 40 years almost to the day later that he was being transferred. Um, and because he's... Uh, been there for so long and they're, they're getting ready to shut down the place. Uh, Cause Smith's Grove is just basically, it seems like they're, they're portraying it as being kind of the rundown old facility. And they've got this new high tech facility that they're transferring patients to. And the reasoning why was that the government had, a, didn't had enough of him or something and they were done exploring him <clears throat> yep. unquote, and they were trying to get rid of him. And I just think that they were trying to get the doctor not to spend any more money on him. <laughs> Which is understandable. I mean, you, you, you spend 40 years trying to evaluate a patient, and at some point it's got to be like, okay, there's just, he's just insane, you know? And th- there's just nothing more to it. So we, we've got that story established. Then we end up meeting up with the podcasters again as they're meeting up with, trying to meet up with Lori Strode. And I love what they did with the portrayal of Lori in, in, in this movie versus what they did in, like, H2O. Because H2O, they made her kind of the drunk, um, but headmistress just kind of hiding her past. Um, but she's still kind of a basket case because uh, anytime, you know, the Halloween date comes around, um, she 
basically goes nuts and goes into hiding with her and basically tries to make her son not go out and do anything and be a teenager. So that's how they portrayed her in kind of H2O, whereas in this one, she was completely traumatized. I mean, just from right after everything that happened, and she had failed marriages, still kind of the drunk persona uh, with that, but at the same time, she kind of turned into this doomsday prepper kind of woman where she was always preparing, always preparing for him to come back or always preparing for the worst. Trained her daughter, you know, to basically defend herself and, you know, set up her whole house as a fucking trap, you know, over the years. And that kind of, and then she had her daughter taken away and everything and that whole story. So there's a, it just seemed like there's a lot more depth with her character in this one versus H2O with her just being a bitchy drunk. It was more of a realistic representation of somebody who maybe went through some sort of abuse or trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially when she's sitting there speaking about it in the interview, you know, she's sitting there with her arms crossed. She's stoic, not really having any sort of um, reaction. Exactly. And so I feel like that gave a more real idea of like what she went through as a person and as a character because you can see that reaction to in the podcasters because you know they're trying to pull information out that they already know and she's like you know that why you asked me that question like you're done (laughs) you know give me my money and get out of here though I did laugh to myself because the way she pulls the chair up when they're starting the interview and she kind of sits down and like sits down and crosses her arms the way I, I think I wrote down, what did I write down? The way that she did that was how I felt after a meeting that should have been an email. Just like, okay, this let's get this over with. And this could have been done way faster <laughs> if you had just like texted me versus spending an hour and a half <coughs> trying to describe this one thing to me. Um, you know, but I thought it was very poignant too when at the end of that, when she asked them to leave, she asked for her payment and she just looks out, doesn't even look at them and just stares out the yep. door because in my brain she's always watching so she let these people in and now she's just being careful by looking out the window and still always watching even though yeah. she's not watching uh, that's a good observation too and yeah i like you said i, I it, it is like the perfect representation of somebody that went through some major horrific trauma and um i i think that they nailed it when it came to that uh kind of the storyline aspect with that, with her character. And it, I thought it was like the perfect um, kind of growth for her character and, and just everything she went through in, in the original movie and everything. So yeah, kudos to the writers on that because they, they really portrayed how somebody would probably really react when it came, came to trauma like that. So we, we, we meet Jamie and um, we see where she is 40 years later. And then we, obviously heard through it there about her daughter being taken away. So then we meet the daughter, uh, her husband and the granddaughter, Allison, who's kind of the main character in this movie now. Um, and they seem like the atypical family, I guess you could say, um, I guess in a way, uh, in, you know, they're getting ready for Halloween. They're talking about this dinner that they're having, um, because she's, uh, join the honor society. Yep, the joining the honor society and everything, and they're gonna finally meet uh, Cameron, her boyfriend, and all that. And so, we're kind of setting the stage for that whole aspect of things. And then we follow um, Allison. Well, before we get to that, we 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 
we get a little bit of a tidbit about how, you know, Allison's basically asking her mom, have you talked to my grandmother about, you know, joining us for dinner and, and all that? And basically she lies to her and says that no. she can't come and all this. And she talked to her already when she really hasn't. Cause there's that whole broken relationship, which is understandable. I mean, yeah. anytime you have a parent that in, and in, in essence, it, it was ultimately almost like abuse. Um, it's, there's that strained relationship yeah. there and there's, it's it's understandable that she doesn't want her her daughter to be kind of around that mm-hmm. toxic relationship. Well, and Allison doesn't know that either. You right. know, she just wants she wants this relationship with her grandmother and just is striving <clears throat> to have that connection. You know, like any grandchild would. And her mom is basically again yeah, lying to her and ref- kind of refusing it, but not giving an underlying background of why it's not a good idea or why it's a bad idea. Yep. To speak with her and talk to her and be around her and things like that because she doesn't know about any of that childhood stuff. And so she wants to save her from that and shelter her mm-hmm. by just being like, oh, nope, nope, she didn't, yeah, no, she's not coming. And, you know, it's like, no, okay, fine. You're going to have a rebellious teenager in about five seconds. <laughs> right. Yep. So um, that all happens, and you, you can tell that basically Allison knows that her, her mom is lying. Um, and so she leaves and then she meets up with her friends and they're walking to school talking about, um, basically what, what, what kind of happened there and how Allison basically knows that her mom is lying to her about her grandmother. And they, they bring up the tidbit about, um, well, uh, you know, Michael Myers, cause the one dude asked, well, Dave. wasn't, yeah, Dave asked, well, wasn't it her brother that did it? And and they were like, no, that was just a, a something people said to, I don't know, make more of the story or, or whatever it is. Because that was obviously the, the tie back for the original Halloween series that Lori was Michael's uh, sister. And so that was kind of a little nod to that and just... I know that pissed a lot of people off too. <laughs> it was just that. Oh, I thought that was funny. I personally thought it was funny when they said that, only because I also think that the guy who's playing Dave looks like a Midwest off-brand version of like Bill Hader or Stefan because mm-hmm. of his with his <laughs> with his hair and the beanie. Anyway, that was <laughs> totally random tangent. My brain went to every time I've watched the movie. Now I'm just like, that's a Bill Hader. Uh, but no, that part actually made me chuckle because I was just because yeah, it flashed back to that part because my brain actually right that and it was like ha <laughs> connection yeah and one thing I, I i do give this movie is how it really makes it feel like it's halloween time because a lot of the movies even like the first one um just because of like when california they... and like the summertime because everything's green it's yeah. like no <laughs> yeah and you know they they did with what they could back then i mean they had fake leaves the fake leaves and whatnot which actually looked effective you know at for what it was, especially at nighttime, because it, it looked yeah. more like fall at night, obviously because of the fake leaves and stuff, but also because you couldn't see the green. Couldn't see the green. <laughs> you know, um, but this, uh, they filmed it at the right time. They they filmed it in uh, South Carolina this time for this movie. And it, where they chose to film it, it, it looks like the Midwest, honestly. And it, it looks really good. It looks like it's Halloween time. It's kind of got that, that brown tinge to everything um, with how they did the color correction and just everything being wet or, you know, just the leaves all over the place, whatever they did. Cause I know, I, I, I don't remember exactly when they filmed it. I don't remember if it was spring or summer, 
but they they did a good job of making it look like fall ultimately whereas a lot of times the halloween movies don't get quite get that right yeah a lot of the times so kudos on them for that um then we end up meeting at the high school Allison's boyfriend Cameron and they're talking about their Halloween costume with their friends and so we get the kind of the whole friend group established ultimately there and we kind of go from there we we get this um classroom scene where Allison is basically sitting in the same place that Lori was sitting back in the original movie I liked that I liked that um tableau of that a lot yep as a person again who's not really seen the movie that many times or anything else with the series, that was a nice tie back because then my brain went, "Oh, hey, that's the same chair." Yep. And a nice other little tie back with that scene too is the teacher that's talking is actually PJ Souls who played Linda in the first movie. I like that. Too, yeah. So that was that was a nice little tie back too that they did with that scene. Um, even though you don't see her, you, you you hear her voice and everything, which is which is really cool that they brought her back in some way to be a part of this. Because we had uh, talked previously about how they were talking about bringing her back um, in one of the other movies, and she just didn't end up doing it. So, And I think it was for the Rob Zombie ones, I think is what it was. I could be wrong. I, I It's been... It's been a long few months doing these movies, so. But and I couldn't tell you because I have no idea. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm no help. So, so we we got that little, and then we 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 get that little throwback, and then um, we see Lori standing out where Michael was standing, basically, and then Allison seeing her and going up there to meet her grandmother and talking to her about what happened in that morning with her mom lying to her and everything and basically telling Lori that she needs to get over Michael Myers because she knows that, you know, he's being transferred and everything. And she basically just tells him, you know, he's being transferred. You need to get over it and move on with your life. And which if you've ever tried to tell somebody who's been through a traumatic event to move on and get over it, you're not going to get very far (laughs) at all. So her reaction to that, I felt was very appropriate um, and I think ended the scene on a really nice button with her just kind of turning around and walking away. I thought yep. that was really nice. Yep. But she ended up giving her the money that the podcasters gave her, the Which, three grand. If my grandparents were still alive I, and they gave me $3,000, I'd be like, okay, thank you. I wouldn't like question <laughs> question the money. Yeah. <laughs> also, you're a teenager. Take any money that you can get. Like, Right. Oh. <laughs> uh, so then, um, you know, we, we, we kind of move forward and we, we get kind of the, uh, the scene where Michael's being loaded up into the bus to be taken away with other prisoners. And we see Dr. Sartain actually get onto the bus too because he wants to make sure that Michael gets to where he needs to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so that all happens and we, we, we end up getting a scene with uh, this father and son as they're driving and they're talking about, and the son's talking about how uh, he wants to, go to, to dance. dance class. He's like, I want to want to do a dance class, dad. I, I, I like hunting. I like shooting with you. Like, can we do it on the weekends? And I'm like, I feel that in my soul. <laughs> and so that, that was, that was funny. Like this movie, uh, this movie, I feel has a good amount of comedy in it. And I, I like the, where they put the comedy in this. I know some people kind of thought it was a little jarring at times, but I, I thought it was great just because it kind of brought some levity. Exactly. Everything. Exactly. You need to break up because of where the storyline comes from and because of 
how deeply invested fans are with it. You need to have some brevity just to allow, again, people who have never seen it, like myself, to be engaged in the film. Because if you're just going, 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 and you have all these tropes that were done, you know, the past 40 years, I'm not going to care as a person who comes into it. But the fact that it's broken up a little bit with that comedic timing it makes it more enjoyable because your brain then kind of resets itself and is then prepared for the scare that's about to happen yep. in about what a minute after that discussion <laughs> with the, right. about the dancing. Yep. So, um, so that, that they have that little chat there and then they come across the, the patients that are wandering in the road. <laughs> come across, I, th- you know, I think is a, is a nice term for it. Hit. <laughs> Or smash is more probably almost almost. <laughs> so they, they come across the the bus that's crashed now, and the it's a nice throwback to the first movie with the uh, with the patients kind of wandering the field, yeah. Um, by the the hospital when Michael escapes the first time, so it's only appropriate that when he escapes this time, more patients are wandering around and and kind of scattered across mm-hmm. the road in the fields or, or surrounding the crash. So. Um, the, the dad decides to get out and check out what's going on and then tells his uh, son to call 911 to get, you know, people out there. So he calls 911 and ends up going out to look for his dad because his dad is disappeared at this point. And comes across a cop who's... By the way, he's holding a BB gun or a little shotgun. So he's, it's just like, this kid This kid knew he had to grab a gun to get out of it. So it's like, yep. ah, smart. Also ties back to, you know, the whole shooting thing <laughs> with his dad. So Yep. So he's, he's got his gun and he's walking around and he comes across this cop lane face down in the ditch. Was and it the driver? Or was it, it one of the security guards? I couldn't tell which one it was. It was one or the other. I mean, I, I don't think it really matters. It's a bloody ass matters to my brain it was a bloody ass security guy <laughs> um laying in in the ditch and he's basically telling the kid to run um and then he ends up going to the bus still looking for his dad ends up shooting dr sartain who's like don't shoot <laughs> which like, oh, i thought shit. was again what thought was funny and then the kid just runs away going oh shit oh shit, oh, shit. <laughs> runs away and gets back into the car and this is where i was not expecting this they fucking kill a kid in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Because Michael's sitting in the back seat of this Bronco or whatever it is, whatever vehicle it is, and the kid starts up the car to try to leave, and Michael comes up and just smashes his head. Smashes his head. Yeah. Yeah. That and the crack of his neck. It's like, "Mm, okay, all right. That's where we're going. They went there. Um, and usually that's a no-no for most horror movies to kill any child. Even if they're a teenager, yeah, like it's just, yeah, it's it's just like, oh, that's rough. That's rough to take in. So they they went there and they they did that, and that's how Michael gets his escape vehicle and ends up leaving. Then, and you know, we get to basically Halloween day, and Michael shows up at a gas station, and the podcasters are there, and Michael obviously notices that the podcasters are yeah. there. Well, the way that they frame that scene is that they had pulled up to get gas, and Dana, the female podcaster, is in the back seat looking at all of their, you know, trinkets and things, and all the different evidence that they have. And mm-hmm. Aaron's filling up the tank, and while he's filling up the tank, that you just see the car that Michael's in drive by, and he's like this shadow in the background, and it plays into that. Oh, they don't notice it. We're not supposed to notice it either. 
And then all of a sudden it kind of like focuses on him walking into. Yep. And you just see the all white, the all white outfit that he's wearing. And what I like is that this uh, gas station that they have is almost an homage to Halloween four with the gas station that they had in there. It basically looks exactly the same like that. So they, they built this gas station to kind of look like the Halloween four gas station, which I thought was kind of cool. And um, even right down to the ice box that's outside uh, of it, and so, um, so we, we 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 established that Michael's walking in there, and at that point you notice it's him, and he's like, "Oh shit, something's about to go down here." But this also isn't the first time that Michael like watched them because we they went to the cemetery to go to Judas. That's right, headstone, yes. and um, the, you know the podcasters are leaning down, and then there's a shot of Michael standing behind a tree, and whoever the caretaker of the cemetery is, she turns her head, and she, he's just. Staying there, staring at them. So, like, he's been following them for a while um, yep. before he actually entangles with them at the gas station. Yep. So, Dana decides, you know, she needs to go to the bathroom, so she ends up going to this nasty-ass you bathroom. Mean, you mean the loo? The loo. The loo. I'm like, she's like, can you go to the loo? And the guy's like, what? And she's like, oh, the bathroom. I'm like, girl, how you been? You, You've been in the U.S. probably longer than most people have. You know it's called the bathroom. Like, don't be this pretentious <laughs> little fucked up bitch and, like, call it the loo. Like, you're in Midwest America. What, no one's going to know what the hell you're talking about. That just made me, like, a little, like, oh, how dare she, like, be proper right. and British. We don't. <laughs> we broke up with you in 1776. Leave us alone. <laughs> I love it. So... Danny goes to the bathroom and it's it's a pretty nasty place and that's pretty gross. gross. And then um so the other the other guy, the other podcaster Aaron. guy, Aaron, um, is going in and, you know, trying to find somebody. He's trying to pay for gas. Pay for gas. And he sees somebody kind of with their head laying on the desk. Well, it's revealed the guy's jaw's been basically ripped open because it was smashed against the fucking counter. But Aaron doesn't see that, and so he walks into the garage to try to find somebody, and he sees the guy undressed in his tidy whities and he's in his tidy whities and and tank top, laying there just bloodied and and realizing, oh shit! Um, all while all this is happening, Michael's already walked into the bathroom. Dana's just kind of da 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 da, sitting oblivious on the toilet, and you know she had gone through and knocked on each stall before getting in the last one, which was Mm -hmm. quote unquote the cleanest one. And then Michael's doing the same thing, but obviously more menacing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. She he he walks up to the last one and just kind of stands there for a minute, and um, then starts shaking the door and he's like, "Oh, it's occupied." Well, he reaches over with his hand and just drops the fucking teeth on the ground. And she's just like, "What? What is this?" And then she realizes, and then like. I don't know why she had not yet stood up earlier to pull her pants back up, but like that's the moment she decided it was time to pull her pants up and crawl on the floor, which I think was her first mistake, was crawling on yeah, the floor. Yeah, yeah. She made many errors in which she could have easily escaped and just chose not I to. I mean, honestly, though, that was kind of her only course of action because Michael at that point had busted through the door. Oh, I th- oh, I thought. see, I always thought he busted through the, because they, cha- they changed the camera angle to her on the ground. I thought he busted it. After she started crawling. Yeah, no, the, the, he busted through, and then she instantly went under. Oh, I missed that. And then kept crawling through, and yeah. Screaming, yelling, and that's when Aaron shows up and just goes, 
with, with a crowbar, I believe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just, you know, says Michael. And then, you know, Michael starts attacking Aaron. He drops the crowbar and is smacking him against a, was it the wall or the wall, yeah. Sink. All the, all the things in the bathroom that he could be injured with. Um, and then Dana, I, I mean, she's so scared out of her mind that she can't move. Well, she grabs the crowbar and tries to smack Michael. That obviously didn't. No, and she gets choked. And, and, like, Aaron's so bloody, like, he just dies while he's leaning up against a wall, blood running out of his mouth, and, yeah, he, she gets choked to death, and just, you to watch her feet. And Twitch. then we, yep, <laughs> which is iconic Halloween there, uh, just Michael lifting somebody up and choking them, or s- stabbing them on something on the wall, or, or something, seeing their feet twitch until they just stop. Yeah. But then we get one of the most iconic shots in this whole movie, which is him finally getting the mask back. So he's got the coveralls already on from the the mechanic he killed. Then he puts on that mask, and that's just when, you know, shit is about to get real. And so... Yeah, they framed that nicely with how it slowly came up out of the trunk. Um, And I think you had said that when originally was in theaters, people, like, lost their shit during that point. And I'm just like, oh, I can see why. (laughs) Yep. So then, because um, we, we kind of established how, in, in the movie, rather, it, it was established how the, basically um, Karen is throwing off, like, eh, this is, nothing bad is going to happen, yeah. kind, of a th- at, kind of an attitude. Well, shit goes bad, obviously, because Michael's back in town and whatnot, and, and Jamie's... Uh, uh, or Lori, rather, is is constantly telling her that she needs to be prepared, you yeah. know, and, you know, prepare for the worst. And because uh, we, we get the reveal over the radio that Michael Myers has escaped and the bus crashed and whatnot, and Lori goes in, into instant hunt mode mm-hmm. and basically saying that we need to hunt him down. And, you know, he sh- she shows up at uh, at Karen's house. Well, she shows up at the gas station first. That's because right. she's standing there wa- with behind the caution tape, and that's when Hawkins sees her. Yep. And, you know, that's when they have the whole conversation of, yeah, he's back. And that's where she's like, yeah, we have to hunt him down. But I forget the other uh, cowboy hat wearing. That was a sheriff. Sheriff, or is it whatever, Debbie Hawkins. The sheriff guy is just like, ah, <laughs> nah, it's Halloween. What are we going to do, cancel it? It's just like, ha, 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 you're going to regret saying that, dude. Um, but it was there that Hawkins revealed, like, I was there that night, you know. So like, he and Lori go all the way back. And yep. so he understands her want to get this guy. And he also has that same want and need. And so, yeah, it was after that moment that Lori goes back to her house and starts practicing and shooting and doing all that stuff and then shows up at Karen's. Yep. In and- a very Lori way of, you know giving her daughter uh, basically a practice round of someone breaking into yep, her house. Yep, because Karen shows up with fucking groceries, and nobody's there. Back door's open, and she sets the groceries down, and then Ray walks in, and they're walking towards the steps, and then Lori basically surprises them, like, ha! Ah! It's like, ha, ah, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, is a bit of comedy, even though it's not supposed to be comedic. It was right. still, like, it was a funny moment and then yeah Lori's basically like here take the gun take the gun and Karen's like I, no <laughs> like yep like you got no security system things are going down we need to hunt him now and <laughs> and Ray's just... like I can take care of my family and I'm like can you Ray you were the one that spilled peanut butter on your penis earlier I don't know if I can trust right you. 
talk about I took Taekwondo or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I know Taekwondo. <laughs> Shit. Ray is so fucking funny. <laughs> oh, my God. And then, so, basically, they just write it off as Lori's being crazy again, even though it's all over the news that fucking there's the bus crashed and all this shit, and they're hunting Michael now, and, oh, that's when shit gets real, because then we get to Halloween night, and this is when trick-or-treaters are out, and this is where we get the long establishing shot of Michael going for his first kill back in Haddonfield since 1978. Yeah, this was... This was cool because he ran to the kids and then it basically became essentially a one shot Mm -hmm. through each killing, which I thought was super cool that it was just one camera. He'd do everything and then show up. Yep. Um, But uh, (laughs) during we were watching the movie last night and Isaiah said something and I was just like, oh, what did you say? And he goes, oh, it's from the first movie. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. What did you say? He's like, you have to watch this. It's like one of the best scenes in the movie. I'm like, I know what happens. I watched this twice now. What did you say? (laughs) 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 And and he was like, no, watch it. I was like, okay, fine. Because I have a really bad habit, extremely bad habit of not, I wouldn't say talking through movies. I'd say commenting through movies. And I've had past friends and current friends who get mad at me for speaking and will tell me to shut up. <laughs> Have I learned after 27 years to do that? No. Um, but did I turn my head and watch the movie after he said that? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's only like the coolest shot in the whole movie. I know, I know. So he starts walking up <clears throat> basically through this garage because you see this mom with the oh my God, the curlers in her hair and like the long pink robe. is just like you can tell she's tired and just wants to go to sleep. Carrying something, and he you know, he goes into the garage and picks up what a hammer. Yep. And then you just kind of follow him into the house, and then she's making she's making a sandwich. Yep, which is a good callback to the second Halloween movie. <laughs> and then you know leaves has a why why, I mean I know why it's there, but why she was using a big butcher knife to cut up like a teeny tiny little sandwich, as a Midwestern who makes a sandwich, right? It's like why did you do that? Um. But what I really liked about this scene is he, obviously he, he goes in and the entire attack of her with a hammer occurs off screen, which I thought was interesting because it's not his usual method of kill. And so I've, in my brain, it was they did that on purpose to give the illusion of, okay, he's, not, like, he's killing, but this isn't quite the Michael Myers that you're used to seeing. And then when you pick up the knife, every single murder after that, you actually get to see happen when it comes to using an actual weapon before it was just his hands and he's used his hands but with the with the weapon they don't show the hammer which i thought was interesting but i also liked how they framed it with the table moving the chair falling over and then panning over her which which fun fact in the second halloween movie he actually does kill with a hammer well shit so but we haven't gotten there There yet there goes my theory (laughs) we haven't gotten there yet we still have to watch that one this year so but I wanted to get through this and Halloween kills before we watch that. So, um, fine. Well, in the continuum of only the first Halloween moving matter, in that case, he's never used a hammer. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So we, we get that whole establishing shot of him killing basically three different people. But after he killed that first person, or two different people, she had a baby and yep. he left the baby alone, which goes back to they never killed. Yep. Children, but he killed the teenager earlier. Anyway, I just wanted to. Yeah, because that was kind of because he like stopped at the baby and like, oh shit, is he about to kill a fucking infant? 
But no, he fucking decided, kept walking on, which I'm like, oh, thank God, we don't need two children dying yeah. in this fucking movie. Yep. So that was that was that was a good call because it, it left you almost like in suspense there for a second, like, oh, oh no. <laughs> so that that was that was that was interesting and a good call. Um, so we we have that happen, and then. You know, we've got the Halloween dance going on where uh, Allison and Cameron are, and Cameron's getting hammered, and they've got their whole Bonnie and Clyde thing going on. Um, Which she pulled off the suit beautifully. Him, not so much in the skirt. It just, nah, wasn't my cup of tea. She looked great. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, and so that happens. They get into a huge fight because he's drunk and throws her fucking phone into the... Well, that's because he kissed some other girl yep. and she witnessed it and he was like, oh, there's nothing. And she's like, ah, no. I I can see the writing on the wall here. And she, like any good, smart, strong, independent female does, you know, chucked her phone... Yeah, she yeah, chucked her phone into the... Whatever. It was a drink, but it honest to God looked like pudding. Yep. <laughs> which was gross. Um, you know, and left her phone behind. It's just like, yeah, <laughs> love it. Because uh, then you, you, you've also got their friend, um, Oscar, who's kind of like a... He's a third wheel. He's, he's a he's third wheel. A he's third kind wheel. of like the comedy relief. He's always trying to be like the guy that's trying to make everybody laugh kind of thing. And he's in love with Allison, obviously, which we find out here shortly. I mean, it's obvious. Right. <laughs> it's very obvious. So... We've got, um, and then we've got uh, Allison's friend, I forget her name, Vicky, who's babysitting little Julian, who Julian Julian is is so great. (laughs) Julian's the best character in this whole fucking movie. I mean, Julian's lines in this movie are the best, and that's where the comedy really comes in, (laughs) just because he's kind of got this no-nonsense, like, I don't give a fuck kind of attitude. Like, I'm sitting here clipping my toenails. <laughs> I'm sitting here clipping my nasty ass toenails. I know you're talking about weed. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's like a magic trick. And he goes, I still know you're talking about smoking weed. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to tell my mom. She's like, I'm going to tell your mom about your browser. Like, you better not. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was, that was a good, that was a good bit of banter. Again, it broke up. What had all of the murder that you had just witnessed yep. and allowed your brain and allowed yourself to kind of relax a little bit more and be unaware of what again was about to happen. Yep. Um, cause then shortly after Dave shows up. Yep. Dave shows up and he's got a Jack Lantern carved and everything. And he's got hearts for eyes. Like he was very <laughs> proud of the fact that he had hearts for eyes. Got himself a tattoo to commemorate the night and, He's like, I'm going to dry fuck you tonight. <laughs> no, no, no. Vicky says you're so getting dry humped tonight or dry fucked tonight. Yeah. And it's just like, that's what did it for you? Okay. I, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, him showing up with weed and, you know, being your boyfriend, I would have thought would have been a real good reason. <laughs> but, you know, a tattoo with the date really, really just sealed the deal on that one. Yeah. You go, Vicky. You do you. Yep. And kind of while all this is going on, we 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 also see Lori. Um, no, no, that's afterwards. We'll we'll come back to that. So we've got um, so that's all happening. Uh, Michael's lurking outside, and you can hear him breathing through the mask as he's watching the house mm. and whatnot. And basically, Jillian's got to go to bed um, before Dave shows up, and so 
she puts him to bed and you know dave shows up and they're talking julian comes downstairs and says there's a man standing outside of my room with a, a weird looking face just looking well, at me yeah, so they were well, they were making it out on the couch, and Vicky heard a noise, and then she said to go Dave to go look at it, and that's when Dave ran Julian, and Julian scared Dave <laughs> running down, yeah, saying there was a man there. Yep. And I think even Julian's like, make Dave go do it. Because, <laughs> 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 again, we stand Julian. Um, you know, and Vicky walks up to his bedroom and pretends like she's talking. Very good acting, you know, from her um, off screen. And then, you know, pops up and is like, ha, there's nothing here. While all this is going on, Dave's in the garage looking at the motorcycle. Hi, trying to ride a motorcycle. It's just, And then he knocks it over. And I'm like, and he's trying to, he's struggling to pull it back up. And I'm just like, I've done that before. And getting a motorcycle back up off his side is really hard. Yep. And if you're high, it's like 10 times harder because you're like, my muscles don't work. Um. Mm. But then doesn't he hear Vicky, he hears Vicky scream, right? Cause well, because they... She puts Julian back to bed, and and then Julian's like, can you just shut the closet, closet door? Because yeah. the closet door has always been open this whole time. <clears throat> and she goes to close the closet door. Obviously, it's not shutting. She opens it up. Michael's there. And Julian jumps out, oh, shit, and runs <laughs> down the stairs. <laughs> oh, shit, oh, shit. Meanwhile, Vicky's getting slashed in her arm. She's trying to trying to run, but she's wearing socks. And, of course, it's a Harvard modern home. It's a Harvard floor. She slips and falls onto the onto the banister area by the bedroom. And, you know, Michael's still slashing at her. She's trying to grab at it. And that's when Dave hears her from the garage and runs in. And I think Julian said something along to like, you better run, Dave, you're going to die. Something like that. But Dave ends up going to try to find Vicky and grabs the butcher knife, and that comes into play. Because we don't see his death. Um, He ends up in the wall. <laughs> with with that same knife. Yep. Um, so that all happens. Julian ends up getting the cops called to his house, and Lori hears it and makes a U-turn as she's driving around patrolling Haddonfield, basically. Yep. And obviously Hawkins shows up, and Hawkins goes into the fucking house um, to explore, ends up seeing a ghost um, Honestly, sitting, sitting in the chair, which is another callback to Halloween 1 with Bob. Um, wearing the with the sheet as the ghost. Oh yeah! So he pulls it off. Obviously, we see it's Vicky. Um, at this time, Lori's in the streets telling everybody to get home. She looks up. She sees Hawkins in one room. Looks over. Sees Michael in the other room. And that's the scene that Nick Castle, the original person to play Michael Myers, played in in this movie. Because um, he got to do a cameo in this movie. That's the scene he got to cameo in. Besides doing the breathing. So all the breathing you hear in the movie is Nick Castle, the original Michael Myers. That's cool. Whereas that one scene, he actually got to wear the mask and the coveralls and play him. So, so Laurie shoots at him. It ends up being a mirror that she shoots. Hawkins hears it, but then sees Michael walking Running and going the down the stairs and shoots at him, yelling at him. They run. Um, Hawkins and Laurie end up running into each other, and she, she ends up hitting him. Oh, that was so funny. She, first of all, don't go and walk up and scare Lori. That is just a, that is bad, bad advice number one. Don't do that. But he just goes, Lori, and she just whips his, the pistol around and just, he gets pistol whipped, you know, smacked in the head. And it was so funny. Yep. So that was, that was nice. Cause then we, we also get the meetup where, um, 
you know, Lori's with the police then with Hawkins and kind of the sheriff and Dr. Sartain shows up and basically she's like, ah, you're the new Loomis. Um, to kind of establish that he's supposed to be the new Dr. Loomis in this movie, um, basically. Even though it was kind of already established that because he was the student of Dr. Loomis and all this. So, Yeah, but I, by having her say it, though, it established it even deeper yep. than just us knowing right off the bat, oh, okay, he took over for Loomis. Like that, I feel like, added another depth to the storyline yep. just by her stating that fact. Yep, for sure. And so that that... That all happens, but also we have Allison and Oscar walking home in there, because ultimately what they're what they're trying to do is they're trying to get everybody into their homes. They're also trying to get uh, Karen and her family out of that house, and they're trying to reach Allison, but they can't because her fucking phone is basically destroyed. So, <laughs> so uh, Allison and Oscar are walking, and they decide to take a shortcut through um, somebody's yard, um, Mister Elrod's yard, which is a callback to Halloween too, because the Elrods are the old folks that Michael ends up stealing the butcher knife from in the beginning of that movie. So they decide to cut through the yard, and they've got motion sensor lights. And, and this is where you find out that Oscar is really in love with Allison because he helps her jump down. Yep. And then, you know, very smoothly, even though he is drunk, very smoothly, like, kind of, like, backs up into a wall, but she's just like, uh, excuse me, like, what are you doing? Tries to kiss her, and she's just like, uh, no thank you, you know, pushes him off. And he's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. First of all, he says, I'm, don't tell Cameron. I'm like, okay, cool, yep, all right, we've already got a strike against you now, Oscar. <laughs> like, yep. she says, I'm sorry to her first, you know, but then... They basically have an argument. Allison's like, no, I'm going to go home. Like, da 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 But Oscar's trying to, to run. I think he falls. He's like, I, you know, I'm drunk. I had girls up all on top of me. <laughs> basically, like, it was, <laughs> like, <laughs> it was really, it, 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 there was a, a cut shot of him with all the cheerleaders, like, dancing around. Yep. And so, basically, it was like, I had all these girls up on top of me. And I didn't know, what, like, didn't know what to do. And I got, like, mm-hmm. a heart on, essentially. Um, and he's like, I was just drunk. And, um the lights come back on because he freaked out because of the motion lights at first. That yeah. was that was one of the good things that Allison said. She's walking away. Motion lights, idiot. And it just like flips him off as she's walking away. Again, power trip of, of an independent woman, which made me happy. Yeah. Then you, you, as the motion lights are on, you see Michael behind him kind of in the shadows and he turns around and sees him and thinks it's Mr. Elrod and just says, happy Halloween. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry just- to cut through your yard. <laughs> The lights go out. They come back on. He's not there anymore, but he's standing kind of in front of him, but it's still a distance away. They go out again, and he's right there, and he slashes at him, makes Oscar run, try to climb the fence, but he can't. Ends up slipping, ends up getting stabbed. His fucking jaw right through the, the fucking rod pole. iron fence. Yep. yep. And that was because he's yelling for Allison, and Allison's just not having any of it. And finally she – because he's screaming, she comes back, and then the lights come on. She, is, she sees his body, and Michael steps out of the shadows, and that just was enough. She just runs and just gets her ass out of there. Yep. So that all happens. She ends up being picked up uh, by Hawkins and Sartain, and they're making rounds trying to find Michael because uh, basically Karen and Lori and Ray are back at Lori's house to be protected and they've got cops there watching them. And so they're, they're around trying to find Myers cause they're trying to stop him. And they've, they find him. Hawkins runs right the fuck into him with his fucking suburban and just runs that motherfucker over. 
And he gets out to check him to see if he's dead, and Sartain uh, is checking him too. And Hawkins wants to shoot him right then and there and just end this whole thing. And Sartain's like, no, 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 no. Like, I, you can't do that. Da, 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 da. Um, th- I, this was one of, the, I think, one of the better scenes in the entire movie too, because it. I, this was when I first watched it. This was not a twist I was expecting mm-hmm. during this scene at all. Yeah, because he basically pulls out his pen and pull, or pulls out basically a scalpel and just slices him right open. And, you know, ends up uh, taking him down. That's when you realize, oh, shit, he, he's the reason why Michael escaped. Mm-hmm. And basically, you know, Sartain's thinking was he wanted to see him in the wild to see how he would react and, and, and whatnot. And he's basically trying to pass it off as he's trying to do this for the greater good um, and trying to know more about why Michael is the way that he is. But he needed to see him hunt basically out in the wild to get a better understanding of him. Well, didn't, isn't this a scene too where he took his, Sartine took his mask off and put the mask on himself and just threw Michael into the back seat with yep. Allison. So here's an injured, <laughs> injured Mike Myers next to Allison, who's already freaking out enough. And then you have Sartain who's just like, oh, you know, I'm going to put the mask on now. I am Michael. Right. It's like, I am the captain now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he, he drags Michael and puts him in the... Fu- uh, and he's already one. injured, too. So, yeah. Tane has, has only one, really use of one arm, because he was shot in the upper left shoulder. Yep. And somehow he's dragging Michael's fucking lanky, tall ass and putting him in the back seat all by himself, and then throws the mask, you know, back there with them and, and whatnot, and gets in the car, runs fucking Hawkins over. Yeah. Yeah, that was a fun. And, you know, essentially supposed to kill him. But uh, that all changes because fans wanted Hawkins back because he was such a great part of the fucking movie. Yep. He was. <laughs> he really was. It was kind of a mistake. That was, if there was one mistake, was them basically trying to write him off and kill him um, in that scene. So, anyways. Back, back to this. So we, we, we got Sartain driving, and basically Allison's trying to get him to let her go and, you know, basically says that because Michael ha- obviously hasn't spoken a word since he was six or, or whatever the case may be. And, and Allison basically pulls the card of, like, well, he spoke to me. And, and Sartain's like, what did he say? Well, stop, like, stop the car and I'll tell you. Let me <laughs> out and I go. will tell you everything. And, well, yeah, Michael has come to at this point. And they're stopped uh, just a little bit away from uh, Lori's house. Where, and there's a pair of cops sitting outside of Lori's house, like, doing patrol. So they can see this car coming and all of a sudden it stops because they think it's Hawkins. Yep, because it's Hawkins' vehicle. And, uh, yeah, they're having their little banter about sandwiches. Oh, my God, and that stuff. was... <laughs> and one of them was Christopher Nelson, who uh, did the special effects for the movie, um, which is fucking awesome. He's one of the nicest dudes ever, and and he's just really fucking cool. Having a conversation about Bon Me. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Which was so great. It was fucking awesome. And so uh, you have that going on while the whole thing in Hawkins' vehicle is going on. And Michael comes to, ends up breaking through the fucking barrier and, you know, ends up dragging Sartain out of the fucking vehicle. And at this point, Allison was able to finally get out of the vehicle. 
ends up uh, Michael ends up stomping Sartain's head, and that was that was satisfying. Fucking satisfying. So graphic. So good, good though. I mean, just showing the strength of Michael, just squashing his head like a fucking watermelon, and just brains and everything just all over the fucking concrete. And so Allison gets away and runs through the woods, but Michael sees her, obviously. But then, you know... The, well, the it, other cops started driving up yep, at that point. Yep, they did. And then you don't see what happens to them. Um, so we've got everything kind of going on at, you know, Lori's house and, you know... Karen's like sitting in one of the rooms and just kind of almost distraught and whatnot. And Isn't she in her bedroom? She's in her yeah. childhood bedroom and she's looking at like the picture and the dollhouse. Yep. Um, yeah. And basically just like zoned out. Yep. And so um, while that's all going on and they're talking, Ray is watching outside and the cop car shows up and um, he goes out to talk to them and thinking maybe they finally brought Allison. Well, Obviously, we see it's the dead cops, and, you know, the one cop's head is on a flashlight to make a, a jack-o'-lantern, um, and Michael shows up and kills Ray. Lori sees this and um, ends up locking down the house at that point then and telling Karen to get down into the basement. Um, and then that's when Michael breaks through the window, you know, by the by the door and grabs Lori. Lori's got the shotgun and blows his half his fucking hand off which is that was cool a cool visual and you know you've got all that going on and then because Lori ends up going downstairs then too and then Mm. they shut the thing while michael comes through and is walking around trying to figure out where she went yeah that would i I have to admit like when in horror film specifically where they have that moment of you know the killer is like in a different room or downstairs and like they're hiding and like you can see like when he's walking across the floorboards the dirt and like all that stuff falling down yep and so like it like that i feel like was just a good attribution to just general horror again as a person who's never really seen horror before it's like i recognize that as like a trope thing it's like oh okay cool um but yeah because they're down in the basin for quite a bit before allison actually shows up Yep, because uh, that's all going on, but then Lori ends up going back up to try to find Michael. That's what it was, okay. Because... Uh, I fell asleep when we were watching this part last night, so I'm trying to remember from the first time I watched it. <laughs> so, <laughs> way to call yourself out there. I, I will gladly do. I'll, I'll always call myself out. <laughs> so, anyway, so Lori uh, ends up going up to try to find Michael, and Michael's obviously, at this point, hiding and waiting for Lori to, mm-hmm. to attack her. So she's going room by room, checking each room, and she's installed these uh, oh, drop-down the doors yeah. um, to basically, so every time she checks a room and, she, and once she f- sees that it's clear, she'll drop those fucking doors that you can't get in or out of then. And then she ends up going into the final room um, upstairs, and this is a direct recreation of the, the bedroom from the first Halloween where Michael attacks her in. Um, and it's, it's right down to every, everything is the exact same. And it's, it's filled with mannequins now though, but it's got the closet. It's got the door leading out to the balcony that, you know, Michael falls out during the, the first movie. So that was a nice little homage. Cause originally they were talking about using that also to recreate the fir- the last scene of the first Halloween movie. Um, but change it slightly to fit how they're doing the narrative for this movie, but they didn't end up doing that. They, 
decided it was going to be a bad idea to do that. So they repurposed it for that as and just kind of an homage then. So she's checking that room. She finds Ray in, yeah, in this room. which I thought was a very reminiscent of, I forget the boyfriend's name from the very first movie. When Bob. Went, Bob, when he came swinging out, I was like, oh, it's the husband of her daughter, like, you know, swinging out. So I thought that was just a good connection back to that too. Yep, and then Michael ends up coming out and attacking, and they're fighting over the gun and whatnot, and Michael ends up taking Lori out and throwing her basically over the balcony, and then he's looking down at her as she's laying on the ground, very reminiscent of the very first movie. Um, And then Michael hears Allison come in at this point because she's finally come through. And then she, he looks back out and sees that Lori's now gone, just like he did in the first movie. Where'd you go? <laughs> yep. And so uh, Allison ends up getting down in the basement, and they're waiting, and Lori's nowhere to be seen, so Michael's kind of searching. And, you know, at this point, he ends up ripping open the, the thing. Yeah. And he's, they're just waiting for him to come down. And Karen's crying like... I can't do this. I can't do this. Michael shows up. He's like, gotcha. Oh my God. Yes. That was, yes. I love that a lot. Um, just because it showed that she finally realized that what her mom had taught her was, you know, well at the time when she was a child, probably not the greatest thing, but really was what she needed. And yep. it kind of was just like, I am as strong as my mom type of thing. So I love, I, I love that. That was, that was, again, it was also funny. Yep. But it was also like, eh. Yep. Because then she ends up shooting Michael, but then Lori's behind him and comes out of the shadows and like, happy Halloween, stabs his ass, and his ass falls down the fucking stairs. Yep. So then they end up getting out, and they end up trapping him inside because they've got these bars that just end up coming across. And then um, Karen then basically explains that um, this was this house is basically a trap yeah. for, for him. And it's then, not a jail, it's a trap. Yep, it's not a jail, it's a trap. And so Lori turns on the gas, throws down the fucking um, uh, uh, flare, flare. And, then, and then basically they just watch as Mike, the, the whole basement just starts ablaze. And he just and he's, stands he's just there staring, staring, which is very fucking creepy still because he's like, you motherfuckers. He's like, if I can yeah. find a way out of here, I'm going to fucking kill you. Yeah. And so that all happens. They get out, and the house is just set ablaze. And you basically expect Michael to be dead at this point. But obviously, we're getting sequels, so that's that's all coming. And <laughs> if we, you've seen the trailer, <laughs> you know he gets out. You see that he walks out of the house. <laughs> yes. So, but that's kind of in in, in essence a, a, a wrap up of of Halloween twenty eighteen. Um, honestly, for me, it's it's my favorite Halloween sequel. I fucking love this movie so much. And it beats out uh, Halloween 2, which was my original favorite Halloween sequel. It's still high up there. It's it's almost right there with 2018, but 2018, oh, my God. They just did everything right with this movie, in my opinion. So, with that being said, if you were to rate this movie out of five, one being, like, this is a shitty movie that I never want to see again, um, and five being, like... This is fucking excellent. What would you rate this movie? I'd probably give it a four. I, you know, just because, like you said, there were some things that they probably could have <clears throat> done better or, you know, maybe expand upon something a little bit more than what they did. Um, but I, I, I thought it was solid. I mean, I've watched it twice 
now and every time i both times i've watched it i've like oh i know something different whereas that's hard for me in most movies because mm-hmm. i'm a serial rewatcher, so i'll just <laughs> watch the same five things over and over and over again and so being introduced to these now it's um in comparison to the first one way better yep way better i i don't know if i'd watch the original halloween one again unless it was like in a movie theater for a special night or something you know it wouldn't be something i would actively seek but i would watch this one you know every year probably yeah Definitely. And yeah, for me, this one is an easy five out of five. Um, it's, it's such a good movie and I fucking love it. And I love it almost as much as the original Halloween. Um, even though I know it's not one that you're particularly, I just need to rewatch it more. I think that's just it. I, because we watched it once. I yeah. was like, okay. I was also tired when we watched it the first time. So that could have played into it too. I mean, it could have been, but, <laughs> but you know, uh, definitely for me, it's five out of five. It's 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 got everything that I want from a movie, and as a movie going experience, this was probably one of the best movies I saw in the movie theater. Like for experience wise, just with crowd reactions and everything, and it, it it was just it was special being able to see this in the movie theater, just like it was you know getting the chance to see the original Halloween in in the theaters, or even like the original Nightmare on Elm Street, getting to see that in the theaters. I mean. It, this was definitely an experience, and I, I went and saw this movie three times in the theaters. Like, I, I I enjoyed it that much. It was it was fucking phenomenal. So, but I would also love to know what you guys think of this movie. Did you like this movie? Did you hate it? You know, just as as with any of the other Halloween movies that we've talked about over the last few months. Um, let me know. You can reach out through our social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all at CLS Podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed this uh, week's show as we're getting close to wrapping up the Halloween retrospective series. Next week, we'll be wrapping up with Halloween Kills and reviewing that. So be aware. I'll be back. Yep. (laughs) So if you didn't like today's episode, I guess skip over the next one too. (laughs) But be ready. There there will more than likely be spoilers as we talk about the movie. Um, So just be aware of that. You might want to see the movie first before listening next week but that will be up next monday as well at 8 a.m sharp so be on the lookout for that but otherwise um thanks again for tuning in this week we'll see you guys next week this episode of the crystal lake soldiers podcast is brought to you by the slash and cast podcast network check us out at www.clspodcast.com or join in the conversation on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at CLS Podcast. Until next time, stay safe, campers.